just find all the innuendo emojis and mm-hmm. send them all in one message. <laughs> Are any of these correct? <laughs> Perhaps a power set? Do you want a power set? <laughs> Hey, Zach. Hey, Sirtis. So last week, you said that I needed a now page? I, yes. You took some <laughs> words that I said and decided that you needed a now page? Yeah. So Last week, you said that I needed a list of active projects somewhere, and I said, oh, like a now page. And you said, sure. Um, so now I have a now page. <laughs> it's at, at my website, zacksharp.me slash now. Dot HTML. .html, I'm fixing that probably by the time this episode comes out, but not uh, not, not yet. Right now, it's got the .html. All right. I've got the right now, I've got the icebox. It's weird to see how few things are in the icebox. I feel like I have so many other iceboxed things, but I don't know what they are. Just like looking at this list, I feel like that captures most of the things that I've been like, oh, I want to do that later. I've been trying to update it weekly. In the, the two weeks since we've came up with the idea, okay, that's worked, but we'll see. It's just part of like my weekly clean up my brain routine. But sometimes I don't get to do that for a couple of weeks because I'm stressed and bad at time management. Understandable. Currently, there's five things on the right now list, which feels still like a lot looking at it. It feels like a lot of work yeah. to be committed to doing often. Uh, and they're fairly like open-ended. Like, yeah, classwork, worrying bugs, you have a pretty good idea of what that entails. Mm-hmm. But like finding something exciting and challenging to do this summer is like not very specific. It's not specific because I don't want to railroad myself, but I also know like I have a couple different conditions of when that would be done. And then it's just done. Oh, okay. It's over. I see. It's, it's, it's mostly a like a job search. But if I end up working where I am, but I find a open source project to contribute to or something, just so long as I have a goal in mind of, of what I'm going to do this summer to, to challenge myself. All right. Making base camp feel like a comfortable place to live is, it's something I spend a lot of time doing, so I wanted to put it there, because it's just like little things when we moved in, the, all of the closet doors didn't move right, so I've been slowly <laughs> getting the hardware to make the closet doors move right. Okay. And so we've got uh one two three four 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 out of six of the closet doors are functional now and i've got a little more work to do to get the other two it's impressive thank you handy yeah i i know how to use a screwdriver and that's about it (laughs) also i can use a wrench like a hammer sometimes Give this man a round of applause. I guess also i the the plan has always been to be in this house for at least two years it's like, man, I'm going to have to deal with this door for two more years <laughs> or, you know, a year and a half at this point. But then there's other things like I've still got two or three boxes from just when we moved in because I had so many boxes when we moved in. So now I've pared it down. There are significantly fewer boxes, but there's still a couple there and it'll feel better in my brain if I do something with those boxes. Yeah, right. I'd like, I don't know, I'd clean the bathroom once a week and that's that feels like a part of that right now thing yeah it happens more than worrying bugs does and that's on there yeah probably takes a lot less time than worrying bugs though yeah but between the the cleaning the bathroom and the doing dishes and yeah making sure the living room's in in working order vacuuming 
all those fun things that you have to do because you have a house and don't own a Roomba yet. But yeah, very much my mentality is just like, if I can fix it, it's my, it's going to be the space that I have to inhabit for the next two years. <laughs> and I want it to, to work the way I want it to and not be dissatisfying every time I move through the space. We're missing two of our house numbers. Ah. Currently, we're just house number 42. Opsec. Opsec, but like there's a lot of permutations that you could make with 0 through 9, 0 through 9, 4 and 2. So you, you just lowered the problem space again, Zach. Yeah, I know. I realize that. And I, I really just want to go out and get some new numbers because it, it's dissatisfying when I look at it and I see that we're house number 42, which is inaccurate. What's your threshold, Zach? What, at what point do you put those other two numbers back up? The numbers that uh, are I don't know. somewhere between 0 and 9 and end in 42. The city that I'm in has like a distinct type of house number. Like it was standardized at some point. Okay. And so at this point, it's been destandardized and you can get whatever you want, but a lot of people still have that distinct type. So I'm going to see if I can find those like set tiles and get some of those. And so that's, that's what my next goal is mm-hmm. as far as that. But I'm not just going to go out and get like plasticky numbery things. If it's like $40 to get the two, the two numbers, then I'm going to say, hey, landlord, the numbers are gone. But it's probably not going to be $40. Why not just say, hey, landlord, the numbers are gone? I mean, I could. Is, is it more fulfilling if you do it yourself? Yes. Okay. And also, it's not like a big deal. No. And I don't want to be like, our, our outlets were wiggly for a while, but mm-hmm. we didn't tell him until um, our electric heater got very warm, but not on the heater part, on the outlet part. And then we said, hey, landlord, the, the outlets are a fire hazard. And he was like, okay, let's fix that. But we didn't want to just be like, hey, landlord, the outlets feel wiggly. Yes, I understand that. So this is, this is the same kind of thing. It feels like a outlets are wiggly kind of problem. Okay. And like if all of the numbers are gone and you can't figure out what number our house is and they can't deliver our mail or whatever. But you can compare to the neighbors and probably figure out the first two numbers. And um, Also note that uh, Secret Project Wolf is in the icebox. I did notice that. That's because six things is too many things. So really just all that means is you're going to have to give me a couple weeks lead time or at least a week lead time so I can I can say it's a right now thing instead of a an icebox thing. I still need to edit that stuff. I need to edit a lot. Yeah, I know. That's why I was comfortable putting it in the icebox. Yeah, it is active for me, but... Good. That's because you have work to do on it. No, Zach, you can't put Secret Project Wolf in the icebox because Secret Project Wolf has put you in the icebox. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. I see. A mutual icing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I need to get more time. Yeah, I think you need to get a now page. It's none of your business what I'm working on. <laughs> <laughs> I have a now page. It's just private and not on the internet at all. So the last item on the now page that you might see there is that I want to get my bike to be more usable. And that was a February goal. So now um, now that it's March, that's going to be gone probably very soon. But I realized as I was typing this up that I need to have a name for my bike. Okay. Like people get to name their cars and have cool names for their cars. Some people, yes. So I need to have a cool name for my bike. Uh, okay. The best I've got right now is Merlin, because I was like, Merlin was a wizard. That would be a fun name. Um, but Merlin was also a podcaster who came up with Inbox Zero. 
and and that would be weird. Yeah, you don't want your bike to remind you of your email. No. So I had an idea before, but now I'm exclusively open to suggestions. Okay. Is there an e-how? Is there a wiki how on how to name your car? Well, here's car name generator. Um, here's a BuzzFeed quiz. There is not an e-how or a wiki how. Have you gendered your bike yet? Nope. I'm a millennial. You're not a millennial. I'm a millennial. You're Gen Z. Oh no! Why? Why does your the back on your page not take me back in the form? Uh, their millennial their millennial space goes until two thousand four. Like I understand being that's born? fake. But yeah, that's very fake. Um, what do I do in life? I do not work in an office. I'm a student. What is my deeper deepest desire? Uh, okay. I'm a bit of a bright spark. Intelligence. Okay, I have a suggestion. Go ahead. I think you should call your bike college because it sounds like a good idea to go for a bike ride until you've been doing it for three months and it's just being a pain in the ass now. There are fewer hidden fees to college than to my bike. (laughs) (laughs) I went out and I bought a chain and then I rode around in the ice and the slush and the salt and my chain was rusty within like three days. And I don't know what to do about that. There's no solution for that. You just need to get another chain when it's done being icy and snowy and salty. Mm-hmm. Chain's fairly cheap, isn't it? It's like 25 bucks, yeah. Oh, wow. That's more than I thought it would be. Or no, no, the, the gears were 25 bucks. The gear set was 25. The chain was 15. Uh-huh, okay. Which is not bad. And I could probably get like a, a box of them on Amazon and just learn how to switch them out myself. I also am am feeling some trepidation about the phrase, I'm going to take college to college. Fair. Or I'm going to take college to class. Um, I could also take something along the line of like Hank Green cat names. Manhole. Like, yeah, something along that line. Pretty sure that was a dog name, but yes. Yeah. Um, I'm going to finish this, this quiz and see how often do I work out? On the air, Zach, what is it? Um, well, my options are work out. Are you serious right now? And then, every day, if walking through the shops counts as working out... I hate BuzzFeed. It's not even BuzzFeed, it's rumandmonkey.com. I hate rumandmonkey.com. Getting out of bed is enough of workout for me. The people at the gym know my... Dude. <laughs> the people at the gym know me, my... know me by name. Know me by name. The people at the gym know me... Know me... As opposed to your... <laughs> number yeah the people at 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 gym the gym gym knows my name (laughs) call it gym (sighs) fitness is life um i think you should call your bike uh, rumandmonkey.com i guess i'm i guess i'm workout are you serious right now why did you take this test it looked like fun i was bored my friends encouraged me to do so all of the above none of the above none of the above what do you dream about when you sleep. What's your social security number? <laughs> I often dream of animals. Okay, let's see what they say. If I was an animal, I would be a gazelle. Do I have a bucket list? Uh, yes, but I don't use it anymore. Where, where's that option? Yes, but it's for a Zach who does not exist anymore. Bucket list Zach has died. Let's go with no. I am male. Jim, name my whip. 
William <laughs> Billy Bike. Billy Bike's pretty good. <laughs> okay, it's it's Billy Bike. It's been decided by rumandmonkey.com. Thank you, rumandmonkey.com, for naming my whip Billy Bike. Uh, uh, William is too many syllables for a car. Yeah, that's yeah. I agree. For a car, it is maybe not syllables, like vertical letters. Yeah, yeah. It feels like you'd you'd trip over it more often than you'd want to. Yeah. Here's a, here's a concern about Billy Bike. Oh God. Okay. We can we can keep going on this for a while because I do have a lot of concerns about a lot of things, but one of them is that there's already a Billy bookcase. So I have a question, Zach. Okay. I was going to just like leave it, but now mm-hmm. I'm going to ask it because okay. you brought up Billy Bookcase. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's like a namespace pollution problem, you know? It is a problem. However, I disagree. <laughs> so let me ask you, why are you naming your bike? Because um, I want to have a page on my website with the bike. Because some people have like gear pages and I want to have a like bike page. But if I have multiple bikes at some point, I want to be able to refer to them by name. Are you going to get the same exact bike so you couldn't differentiate them by model? I don't know what the model of the one I have right now is. That's something you could find out and something that would be more useful on such a gear page than Billy. And calling it like the Sear, my Sears aluminum frame bike. Just I don't know. That's not that's not how I think about it. Yeah, but that's not the point of a gear page. It's for everyone else, not you. Right, I understand. But it's not an actual gear page. It's a here's my bikes page, but in the style of a gear page. You only have one bike. Right. But it could be a here's my bikes page. And I don't want to have to like, you don't only name your kid after you have a second one, you know? Right. But (laughs) I think equating a child and a bicycle... It follows some improper logic. I, I, I agree. But I think if we're going to get to the point where we're naming bikes once there are multiple... Why not just call it the yellow one or the red one? Too many words. Billy bike. Okay, but then you're like making a hash table to avoid namespace pollution. Yeah. Cause yeah, to- PHP is my favorite language. Everyone knows You should recursively define your bikes. Hmm. Okay. So it's like a, so I could name each component of the bike and then the full bike name would be like a German word where like each wheel is like Sam and. No, the wheel is a, the wheel is defined as a component of the bike that has the rubber and such. And the bike is defined as the set of things that contain the wheels and the frame and whatnot. Right, I understand. But I'm saying if the if the wheel was named Sam and the frame was named Bill and the handlebars, there's two of them. So I've got a, it's, what's some good like twin names? Like, let's just say Tweedledee and Tweedledum because we're already in this nonsense world already. Then the whole bike would be Bill, Sam, Tweedledee, Tweedledum. And you're going to make a German word out of that? Well, that's what I mean. Make a German word out of it. Like just smash all of the syllables right, together. yes. yes. Or we could do, um, there's, there's, there's a, a group that I know, a theater group that I acted in, and it was the director of the theater group. All of his kids' names was the name of the, the theater group. So there was a Justin, so the first two letters of the theater group name were J-U. So I could do something like that. I could do Bisa Twitwa. 
Zach. Yeah. <laughs> Just call it the red one because it's not red though. Whatever <laughs> color it is. You're not making vlogs anymore. I don't know what color your bike is. I'm Is that on your icebox? Yeah, it is. So it must either be Rockwell or Power Plant. Which of those do you think it would be? Uh, it's ro- it's definitely Rockwell because it has a link. Okay. Yeah. Uh I feel like I feel like I should know what Rockwell is. I mean, it's a lot of things. It's just a a, a common last name. I'm going to make this harder to figure out where you got it from. Zach, I think that the abstraction of a name for the red bicycle versus the mm-hmm. yellow bicycle mm-hmm. is more mental work than just saying the red bicycle. I'm going to take the red bike to school versus I'm going to take Billy to school. Fair. It also works for people who don't know your system of bike naming. Well, that's not, it's not for them. Then who, Zach? Who are you announcing this to? I don't know. I don't usually announce that I'm taking my bike anywhere. Then why do you need a name? Because <laughs> I want one. Because people with cars get to have fun names for their cars, and I want a fun name for my bike. This, this all started because my friend and housemate has a car named Gloria. And it's not, it, it's just, we just call it Gloria. And he will say, oh, I've got to go dig Gloria out of the giant snowdrift that occurred around my car because it's snowing so much here. Do you feel like your bike has a personality? And do you feel like that personality would be different from bike to bike? I do think the personality would be different from bike to bike, but I don't know if I could say what the personality of my bike is. Can we back, get back to the bookshelf quickly? Sure. Yeah, we can, we can jump around anywhere. I'm just trying to come up with names still. Why did you name your bookshelf? I didn't. Ikea did. I also don't have one of those. <laughs> but like in case, in case I got a Billy bookshelf, it would be too confusing. <laughs> you need a hash table. Yeah. I'm going to go take AR567UIK <laughs> to college. <laughs> and just give all of my things UUIDs? Yeah. Yeah. All right. I dig it. Does your phone and laptop, they have names for like networking purposes? Yeah. What are they? Um, I think my computer is Zach's Q1C2VBX. See? It'll fit the name convention yeah. if, you, if you have the UUID. I know, well, I thought Merlin would be cool because then I could continue going on the theme of, of wizards. And all of my bikes could be named after wizards. Okay, but you could just pick a different category of thing. Right. Like dog breeds. I'm going to take Rottweiler to class. Hmm. Horse breeds. I don't, I don't know, know anything about horse breeds. Horse breeds. <laughs> <laughs> There's the, the big one with the big hooves is a um, Clydesdale. That's it. Okay, yeah. Clyde's not a terrible bike name. Clyde is a fantastic bike name. Altai and Illusion Horse. That's in Spain. I know that because of Freud. Um, Barb. What's Barb? Barb is a horse. It's a Barb horse. Is it just a Barb horse? Yeah, it's a Barb or Berber horse. Berber. I like Berber. Berber. Basque. Bavarian Warmblood. Bavi. No, I think if it was, if I was going off Bavarian Warmblood, I would just stick with Bavarian Warmblood. I understand it's, it's, it, it runs into the syllable problem, but it's more fun than just saying the gold bike. Okay. Okay. One of the other problems is I disagree with people on what color my bike is. So I can't just say the color and then the bike. Because I think, to me, it looks gold, but some people think it looks kind of green, and some people think it just looks yellow. One second, Zach. I gotta go to your vlog and figure out what color your bike is. Okay. I don't know what month, though. 
Uh, Let's try April. April sounds good. Sounds like a nice, sure. nice month. Is there a unit of hue? Yes. Try hexadecimal. That's, no, I mean like, like some people say the camera adds 10 pounds. Could I also tell you that the camera adds 10 hues? It like offsets the hue by 10 hue units, you know? Uh, yeah, I, you could certainly say that if you did some color correction. I don't think it's April. Just scrolling through. Let's try May. I remember seeing a bike in one of your vlogs. Yeah, it uh, would have been in... Uh, it's definitely in the August one. Oh, okay. I'll go look in August then. Zach! <laughs> <laughs> it's not my fault. Premiere keeps crashing. It's in... Oh, God. Which one is it? It's March, maybe? I think you looked cold in it, so maybe March. Yeah. Yeah, it was very cold. Aha! I got it. Okay. I would call that either gold or yellow. Okay. Kyrgyz. The Kyrgyz horse. From the Kyrgyz, Kyrgyz Republic. Oh, see, here's some German. Oh, no, that's Danish. Clad, that's Czech. Knapstruper. Is there a particularly hairy horse? Um, I mean, I don't know. I'd, we both just said that we don't know anything about... Oh, yeah, but you're on the Wikipedia page. I think it's from Sears... Is there a Sears horse? Seer. Nope. 2014 Hairiest Horse Contest. Never mind, I'm going with Knabstruper. <laughs> uh, which is Danish. Oh, God. Wait, are there any Dutch horses? Then it'll just be fun to say every time. There's the Groningen horse. Nope, that's too many syllables that my mouth can't do. Should it be Clyde or Groninger? Clyde. Okay. Been decided. My bike is named Clyde. Thanks for all of your help, Rum and Monkey, and also Wikipedia's giant list of horse breeds. There's so many. If you name your bike Norwegian Fjord, okay. it might be because your bike is especially hairy and needs a haircut. Okay. I, too, needed a haircut until just yesterday, when I got a haircut. Mmm, I see. It looks... Like a haircut. Pretty good. Like an 8 out of 10. 8 out of 10 haircut. <laughs> Just curious. What, what do I need for those last two points? Um, there's just some like little flippy-doos that poke up. That might have just been the way that you did your hair this morning. But maybe it, looked, maybe it looked 10 out of 10 when you came out of the hair salon. But if it was yesterday, then you've slept on it presumably since then. So, so I understand that there's some flippy-doos. Okay, okay. So I had a very nice haircut because I have a barber that knows how I like my hair. Good. And when I say nice haircut, I meant an enjoyable haircut. And I tend to, because I like the way she cuts my hair, I tip well because I like her services and she Mm -hmm. so, so far has done the best job of cutting my hair out of the people who have cut my hair. Okay. So she likes that I tip well, and I like the way she cuts my hair, so we have a mutually beneficial relationship. Right, yeah. So she gives me free services occasionally. So it might be like, hey, try this product that I want to try. Uh, I want to try this, doing this thing with your hair. Maybe you'll like it, maybe okay, you won't. Yeah. That yeah. kind of thing. So, and whenever she asks, hey, do you want to try this? I'm always like, yeah, let's do it. Yeah, I would, I would love if somebody was like, hey, try this thing with your hair, because I don't know what the, what the hair things to try are. Yeah, yeah. Yesterday, mm-hmm. most recent haircut, mm-hmm. I came in looking a bit unkempt because I was. 
I had mm-hmm. not shaven. I have a unibrow that I shave. Mm-hmm. And she noticed that and said, hey, do you want me to wax your unibrow? Which is something I've never done before. And in the spirit of adventurousness. And she seems to understand how, how hair looks good. Yeah. Yeah. She knows what looks good because that's her job to do that. Yeah. So I let her put wax on my unibrow, my brow. Mm-hmm. And she ripped out the hair. Mm-hmm. And let me give you my review of waxing unibrows. Okay. Is this out of a out of a 10 scale or Um I don't know. Uh, let me just describe the process. Okay. Uh putting warm wax on your skin is mildly unpleasant. Okay. But not too terribly bad. And the part where they rip out your hair, that's not super fun, but also not the worst thing ever either. Mhm. The bad part to me was maybe 10, 5 or 10 minutes afterwards when the skin started getting irritated because it doesn't like it when you just like rip out a bunch of hair follicles. Yeah. And I think if I were to do it again, I would come because I wasn't prepared. I didn't know this was going to be happening. Uh If it was going to happen again and I knew it was going to happen again, I would have maybe put on some lotion beforehand. Mm Mm-hmm. Or afterwards, get some, like, post-shave balm. She did that. She put aloe lotion on my skin, which certainly helped. But just you want to do before and after. Yeah. Pre- and post-waxing. Mm-hmm. How often? Did she tell you how often you will need to come back and get your eyebrow waxed? She said it was different from person to person, Mm -hmm. which makes sense to me. Yeah. Uh, However, I think I will just stick with using a face razor to do it. I can't imagine that not giving you a big rectangular line down the middle of your forehead. It did. It totally did. It, but, like, it was cold, so the, the redness went away pretty quickly when I went outside. No, I mean the, the razor. Well, I mean, you use the backside and do the, the detailing bit. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I forgot. The razors have the backside now. I was imagining you just, like, put a normal razor and just <laughs> raked it across your forehead for a couple minutes. I don't enjoy the process of shaving. I find it unpleasant. Yeah, it's too much work. Too consistently. And, like, it's a difficult thing to do well. Face Roomba. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, go on. How is that going to work, Zach? Um, It's like a little mini Roomba. It uses vacuum technology to adhere to your face. It's got a little, like it spits out a little, little bit of the pre-shave stuff, and then it's an electric razor, and then the post-shave stuff that it lay, leaves in a trail after it. And so it's just a little Roomba that roams over your face, and then it stays on your face with vacuums. Okay. So <laughs> until Zach gets that out the door, gets a beta prototype for me, <laughs> I, I'm using a Harry's razor with, you know, the essentials. Mm-hmm. But even still, even with what every podcast in the world tells me is the best razor, it's still like an awful process because if you if you spend a lot of time doing it and do it very carefully, you can probably avoid cutting your face, cutting your neck. If you try to do it quickly, doing it as part of a routine, mm-hmm. it's hard to do that kind of thing, especially because, for me at least, I have an angular Adam's apple, oh, yeah. which yeah. is not conducive to shaving. I don't get much fuzz down that far. And I've heard about a thing you can put on your skin. I forget what it's called now. But it makes hair not grow there for a while. 
Okay. And I'm thinking I might try it on my neck. Because, like, shaving my face is whatever. That's not too bad. What if you waxed it? Waxed my neck? Yeah. I want to try the chemicals first. Okay. I feel like that would be bad. I feel like I would not want that. Waxing your neck? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I've never waxed my neck. I couldn't say. So you were saying that you heard heard about Harry's, and even though Harry's is so like highly lauded in the podcast sponsorship sphere, maybe it's not the best option you have. Maybe you can go out and get some chemicals, and that's even better than Harry's. Maybe Harry's isn't being quite honest with you about how many problems their products solve. So on that note, I took an AI ethics class last semester, and I went into that class uh, remembering there was a Twig episode like a year or two ago that uh, they brought on somebody to talk about the ethics of AI and like whatever book about AI ethics she had just written. And then they transitioned seamlessly from that into ZipRecruiter who, quote-unquote, identify the best candidates and notify them to apply to your job. Using machine learning, they will acknowledge that they use machine learning and AI to, to do those things, and usually that's a part of the promotion, is that they identify the best candidates and notify them to apply. But, but like, there's some, some problems with using AI for anything that isn't just a number already. And resumes are not already just numbers. They're letters. And so you need to find a way to turn those letters into numbers that the computer can understand in a relevant way. You can't, like, it doesn't do it any good to just turn it all into, uh, like, every single character into a number. Just say A is 1, B is 2. Because what does that mean? How does that connect to every other thing? If you use more Zs, you will be hired faster. Yeah. So that's not... Uh, not quite what happened. They they are a little smarter about it, and they do it in a in a stream fashion. It kind of comes in word by word, and then each word gets propagated out to the little nodes of the AI. But that's still it's still trying to find patterns in data that maybe you don't want to find the patterns of. So there's one article that I read in this class uh, from Quartz, and it detailed the, the various problems with AI hiring algorithms, but one of the, the most fascinating ones was that there was some company somewhere who audited their job selection algorithm, and they found that the two most important things that it considered when determining if candidates were quality candidates was if their name was Jared, <laughs> and if they played lacrosse. <laughs> and a key indicator as to whether you would be bad to work at that company would be if you ever played women's sports. Wow. So uh, oh I don't gosh. think we're ever going to have a ZipRecruiter sponsorship. Presumably ZipRecruiter is a different company than the one that audited their search algorithm. Presumably, but, but ZipRecruiter is not any clearer and is, right. is yeah. facing the same problems that this algorithm was. And they, oh, God, they are very funny. opaque about how they do it. From what I can tell, they just look at resumes that you liked already. Jared that plays lacrosse and isn't a woman who plays sports. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. So anyway, AI is not not a solution for, like, most things. I'd like to be clear. Uh, it's egregious and terrible, but, like, there's an element of humor in it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes we do segments and we just kind of slowly drift away from them, but this one I wanted to have a moral, which was don't trust AI. Not in, like, the it's gonna rise up and kill us Terminator style, but in the, like, it's just a bad tool for the job. This reminds me of an ad I saw while watching the oscars Mm -hmm. it was for microsoft specifically microsoft's ai which just is called microsoft ai 
as mm-hmm. far as I can tell. Mm-hmm. And they had a bunch of use cases, I guess, via uh, real people who are actors mm-hmm. talking about how they're going to use such and such technology to help people here do things there. And one of them was secure medical records with blockchain. And yeah, I did the same thing. I was like, ah, no, don't do that. (laughs) Please don't do that. What does that even mean? Uh, Exactly. Uh, There was another one that involved quantum computing something. I think we need to have blockchain squad. Meaning what? Like Munch Squad, but for oh, yes. blockchain yes, That's such a good idea. Oh, okay. That's such a good idea. Where's the template file? <laughs> but yeah, there was a similar one, I think, from IBM that was like somebody, I don't know. I know um, Janelle Monet was a part of it, but I don't know who anybody else in the ad was. But they were like, we all know that AI can do better. We all know that computers can work for us. And I was like, okay, I guess I can get behind thinking that computers can do better. They were like, can the blockchain solve problems with inequality? And I was like, the answer is no. Yeah, no, that's a ridiculous thing. The answer is no. Janelle Monet, it can't. But like the, the people that that ad is targeted at. Don't know that blockchain can't secure health networks at all, ever. Nope. And so that ad was played on network television, probably. Mm-hmm. So it's aimed at, like, real human beings who do things and presumably, like, buy things. Is that, like, what's going on? Like, vote with your dollar kind of thing? Maybe. Or just, like, there are business people who watch the Oscars? Yeah. Like, if you're in middle management and you can be like, hey, team, now we're going to do blockchain because I heard about it on the Oscars. Microsoft said it's cool. Right. It's like when everyone went to the cloud. Very few people when that happened, knew what the cloud was. But like everyone else was in the cloud, we should be in the cloud. Engineering team, get on the cloud. And that led probably to a bunch of hacks. Yeah. And I'm not worried about blockchain being hacked, but I am worried about blockchain being a terrible solution to this problem. I'm worried about blockchain killing the planet. That's a thing I am actively worried about. Yes. One of the many things that blockchain is not good at is being sustainable. Yeah. Who was it that said apps were going to eat the world? I don't know. Did you see the XKCD comic about sustainability? Uh, that saying sustainability won't be sustainable? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Was it Mark Cuban? Apps will eat the world. Mark Andreessen. There's so many Marks. If only there were Jared's. You could have all the jobs. Well, see, okay, so the, the, the thing is, Jared is a pretty consistent spelling, but there's Mark Andreessen with a C. There's other Marks. I can't think of any of the other ones at the moment. So there's too many ways to say Mark. So you can't, the AI can't just say, oh, this is a Mark. I trust him. Can the listeners of Worrying Bugs be called Jared's? Let me think about that. Follow up. Uh, we're following out? Follow, follow down. Follow down, yes. So it's follow down. Next time we'll see if listeners are called Jared. Yes. And uh, please, if you want to be called Jared, uh, give $5 to Patreon. If you don't want to be called Jared, give $10 to Patreon. Vote with your dollar, people. (laughs) We should take our Bitcoin and Zcash off of our show notes, considering how against blockchain we are now. Yeah. That being said, I'm also against Patreon to some degree being like, 
wouldn't it be great if it was if there was just a way to make financial transactions on a large scale without a third party intermediary mm-hmm. and have them always be trustworthy and always be reliable? Yeah, that would be awesome. I wonder if there's a way to do that. Speaking of making payments, I had to make some payments. Not had to. I well <laughs> was forced to. Uh, kind of. Okay, so so the the part of this I didn't have to didn't have to pay for was the physical iPad Pro keyboard, the smart keyboard folio, I think is what it's called. Okay. But which, you chose to pay for it. I chose to pay for that one, which by the way, I have received it and it is magic because like magic TM or just magic? Magic, not TM. Mhm. Because it just it magnets onto the back. There's no like clips or anything, mm-hmm. which is very nice. It looks very mm-hmm. nice. It's very classy. And then you open it up and snap, and it magnets into a little slot in the case the iPad mm-hmm. does. And instantly, no pairing, no setup, you can start typing. Magnet to the back, mm-hmm. and boom, you can start typing. That is very cool. And it's wireless, I think. Entirely wireless? Let me find the thing so I can make sure I know that claim. Update. There's a smart connector. Yes, there is a smart connector, but it looks wireless. Okay. So is the smart connector on the back of the iPad? Yes, so... Ah. It's a little three dots there. Okay. So I didn't even notice it. Yeah. That's cool. That's good. I was thinking it was going to be... I thought it was wire. I thought it was Bluetooth. Mm-hmm. And I was like, whoa. Bluetooth is magic now. Apple made Bluetooth no. magic. Bluetooth no. is not magic, though. I mean, they've got the the whatever the, the fancy new Air chip. Yeah, the, the like, Air A one. Yeah, the AirPods Bluetooth, mm-hmm. which is also very cool. Uh, I still think it's more Bluetoothy than it should be, though, based on my limited experience with it. I have it. I have some Beats just because they came for free when um, somebody in the family got something else, and they have the fancy chip. But that just makes them more confused when I try to connect them to both my Android <laughs> and my PC laptop. Yeah. yeah, That's the thing about Apple, right? It works like 10 times better if you buy in completely to the ecosystem, mm-hmm. which is true for almost everything. But it's too bad because it would be nice if everything worked together nicely, regardless mm-hmm. of who made it. There's a guy on the internet who does talks about how awful Linux is. You might have seen them around. They're just called like Linux sucks. And then it's Linux sucks again. And Linux sucks. You know, he's done it for 10 years now. <laughs> um, and the first ones were like Linux sucks because you can't install Wi-Fi drivers because that just wasn't a thing that worked 10 years ago. But now the Wi-Fi drivers work and stuff. And he was like, Linux stuck, sucks because no one actually uses Linux. Everyone just uses like Android. And we celebrate it like, ooh, it's Linux, but it's not Linux. And I was like, man, I agree. So I've been thinking that maybe... I won't get a Mac next time, and I'll just get, uh, I think uh, the, there's the one company that makes like Linux-built laptops, and then I'll just be mad all the time that my kernel isn't compiling. Yeah, but it'll be like, in theory at least, it'll be issues that you can fix, because like it's open. Right. Uh, at least you're in Unix. That is the important bit. Yeah. Unix command line is the one and true command line. I've got I've got Windows subsystem for Linux. It gives me Unix on my PC for some reason. 
it's weird. It's it's a real weird. It feels hacky, and it's made by Microsoft, <laughs> which it probably explains why it feels so hacky. I have something to add about this keyboard, though. Okay, this is not an inexpensive device. Mm-hmm. So, did you have to buy a case for your case? <laughs> no, I didn't. But Apple ships through UPS around here. Okay, don't you have an Apple store like? A bus right away? Yes, but the thing said, well, they were out of stock, and they said that if you ship it to your house, you'll get it faster than when we'll Mm. be back in stock. Mm -hmm. So I did that. But UPS, I I live in an apartment, so the the post office, the U.S. post office, has a thing to give us our mail, but UPS, a private company, does not. Right. So UPS needed me to be there to accept the package because Mm -hmm. they were required to not... Just leave it outside, which would have been fine. They could, totally mm-hmm. could have just left it there. No one would have taken it. Yeah. And they were going to deliver it just sometime on Wednesday. Thanks. Yeah. So they Thanks, want me CBS. to be home all day Wednesday, which is not reasonable for me because I'm a college It's not student. reasonable for anyone. For anyone. <sighs> we're one of those podcasts now where we yell about UPS. <laughs> I'm all for it. So UPS is like, hey, we tried, but you weren't there. And I'm like, okay fair whatever Mm -hmm. at least you're not like throwing it in the snow and then they're like okay we're gonna try tomorrow i'm like tomorrow is thursday (laughs) that's still not reasonable (laughs) and they don't they don't give you an option to say hey give it to me friday saturday sunday because they already decided it's going to be thursday sometime on thursday Mm -hmm. between nine and eight and turns out I wasn't home when they delivered it Mm -hmm. because I was at school all day again. Mm -hmm. And this time they're like, okay, we're not going to try to go to your house anymore. In fact, you're going to have to give us more money to go to your house. And I'm like, this is not my fault, UPS. I should not have to give you money. Mm -hmm. And then they're like, oh, you can go for free to the UPS pickup location, which is actually, uh, there's there's one within a reasonable distance of me. So I thought, okay, great. Yeah, I'll do that. And they say, wait. Before you select this option, make sure that you have a valid form of ID so you can show the guy that this is actually your package. Mm -hmm. But I don't trust anyone, so I did not give Apple my real name when I told them to ship this to my house. (gasps) So I could not give them a valid form of ID. So... I had to give them extra money to bring it to my house again. Mm-hmm. Isn't there like a, a UPS subscription service where you just pay them a bunch of money every year and then you can tell them exactly when to drop the package off at your house? Perhaps, but I get like maybe one or two UPS shipments a year. Mm-hmm. Especially because I ordered something else from a different company that's not Apple. And then UPS, they, they UPSed it to Madison, but once they got to Madison, they just gave it to the post office. And the right. post office put it inside the apartment because they have the special post office key. So what gives UPS? Why couldn't you just give it to the post office? Yeah. Uh, the UPS, you are entirely inferior to the post office. Thank you, federal government. And now, a PSA from the Worrying Bugs. Technically, Werewolf works like a big Monty Hall problem. This has been... A PSA from the Worrying Bugs. So, Sirtis, you know how a werewolf works? Yes. 
Would you like me to describe it or would you like to? I'm just going to say the important part to this this PSA, which is that you're in a big circle, a group of people and some of the people you don't trust. And every night, like quote unquote night, every you know round of the game, one person is removed from the game, perhaps more. So if before you start that that nightly person removing from the game thing, you select a person um, that you think is one of the people you shouldn't trust. When another player dies, then switching your guess, you will have a greater chance. I'm like 90% sure because my friend knows some mathematics <laughs> and said that the Monty Hall problem still applied. But uh it's real big so it doesn't really do much for you yeah with the monty hall problem there was three doors Mm -hmm. and you had a one-third chance of being right and then when one door is removed you have a two-thirds chance of being right if you switch so if you have like 10 people in a circle which is fairly standard for a werewolf party i think Mm -hmm. you have a one in ten chance of just being right randomly or one in nine Mm -hmm. if if you don't count yourself and then if you switch, you'll have a two and nine. Right. I think that's how the Monty Hall problem works. I don't think it would be two of nine. I think the, the extra one would be distributed between all of them. Uh, yes. Yeah, that makes more sense. But still by switching, you would increase your chances of being right. Right. From 981 to 1081. Yeah. Which is a very small amount. But anyway, if you, if you need a, a werewolf strategy, that's one of them. That's an option. How does that work? Because then you'll go, then there'll be eight people in the circle. So if you choose one and then choose a different one, I need to take more statistics class. So that was a very um, worrying bugs, you know, in the style of worrying bugs kind of conversation, kind of topic. I happened to cross something the other day that was one of the most worrying bugs wiki holes I could have <laughs> fallen down. Okay. Um, and it starts on a blog, as, as, as all good things on the internet should. There's a Tools and Toys blog. It's, I don't know, they post about those cool backpacks. What's the, the cool backpack? The Peak Design backpack? Yes, that one. I had a lot of other things, but this particular post was about typefaces. Hmm. And so they talked about some of their favorite typefaces, and I was scrolling through, and I happened across Sparks by After the Flood which is uh, a project to include spark lines within the typeface specifically. Hmm. And so I already knew about spark lines because of one of the other things, uh, which is the indie web. Can you give us a quick like audio description of what a spark line is? Um, yeah. So the idea of a spark line is it's any kind of densely packed graphic that fits into it like it can work in line with text. Um, so it's about the size of some text. And it's been around since like Galileo era. Um, one of the first spark lines that we have recorded was Galileo's description of how Saturn looked when you viewed it like through a an okay telescope up to a good telescope that the, the clarity increased. And so you could resolve it to like a better image. And so in line, he would say it looks like this and then you would just kind of draw a blob and then you would say with a better telescope it looks like this and then it's three circles next to each other and that the the good thing about it was it wasn't saying like go look at figure one on the next page and you have to navigate to figure one you could just read through the line see the image and then continue reading so sometime in the last century 
Edward Tuft picked up on this and decided to really spearhead it. And he's just a, a designer and computer scientist and academic. Um, but one of the things he thinks about a lot is how to visualize data. And so he expanded the concept of sparklines out from just this, like the, the Galileo drawing into things like graphs or charts. You could put like the Dow Jones trend line for the last 10 days into a sparkline and just talk about like you've seen Apple in some on some news sites, they'll say Apple and then they'll have the little parentheses APPL and you can click it and it'll show the the trend line. You could also theoretically put Apple and then the little Dow Jones trend line and then continue going with the thing. And it would it would convey about the same amount of information. So it's it's just a real cool thing. So as as I learned about this this Sparklines font, I started looking into more on Edward Tuft. And so he talks all about sparklines and like some of the, the, the ways that the graphs could be useful. Um, he shows that like you could have a medical report and then in the middle of the medical report show someone's glucose levels for the last day or something like that. And just see the, the trend line and see very quickly if it went, if it spiked really high at midnight or whatever, whatever piece of information you would be looking for. Um, or if it's just been totally flat and it's been a normal glucose level. It's, it's hard to find a lot of info on this guy, on Edward Tuft, because basically everything on his website is just a forum, I think. That is what I'm seeing, yeah. It's, and it's like a, a poor, poorly designed forum. It's a little hard to figure out where you're looking. But there is definitely information here on like this guy's history of looking at sparklines and all of this sort of thing. So then I started looking to find out more about Edward Tuft. Um, one thing I found was he makes big sculptures, big old sculptures. And he has a whole sculpture park somewhere in Connecticut. And he has like, he just made a fake spaceship out of a Airstream trailer or just like a, a bunch of henges. He's got a lot of henges. <laughs> and I don't know. I just, I think that's very cool and would like to at some point go visit the henges that he has over in in Connecticut. But then further looking into his his history and the things that he's made, he has made a bunch of steel renderings of Feynman diagrams, which were diagrams that Richard Feynman made of subatomic particles uh, and their interactions. So they would be like, oh, here's if two leptons hit each other, here's what would happen. And it kind of shows space-time. I didn't quite follow it. I'm not a physicist. Um, <laughs> but they're very cool renderings of these these concepts of what happens. And so as I'm scrolling through this, trying to figure out what's going on with these Feynman diagrams, I happen across a quote by Italo Calvino. And I think, wow, that name seems really familiar. Yeah. Yeah, that was um, uh, the shoot it's something about the trees um baron in the trees yeah baron baron so that was the author of the baron in the trees so i think spark lines are cool i don't know what use i have for them but this edward tuft guy it just seems to be kind of tangent to a lot of the things that we as a podcast have covered these Feynman diagrams are really these would look really nice on a wall yeah yeah like if i could have a fracture print of each one of them they are designed to be made and like hung on a wall but slightly offset so there can be shadow one of the oh god it's so freaking pretentious produced from stainless steel and air the artworks grow out of richard Feynman's diagrams <laughs> which well, like it's fair it's it's cool to see it 
and the shadow that it casts as it's separated from the wall. Uh-huh. But just stainless steel and air. <laughs> so that's my wiki hole. I thought it was it was a very cool... Yeah, that's very on brand as well. You are right. And he, he does seem really interested in like how to accurately convey a lot of information very quickly. Uh, pro tip, it's not through forums. Uh, yes, I agree. Very much. But he talks about, like, on his homepage, I think. Yeah, so he's got some, like, dance notation. So he came up basically with, like, if you have a musical score, you can also, you can see this, like, musical score and it goes measure by measure, but then there's also a dance notation of, like, you move your arm this way, kind of like a a Just Dance kind of thing. I think Just Dance should sue. They came up with dance notation. I am not sure about that. As far as I'm concerned, Just Dance for the Wii is the arbiter and creator mm-hmm. of dance notation. I mean, there was like foot footstep diagrams before that. Of like, if you're going to do the jitterbug, here's where your feet should go. Just Dance did that too. Another one of the fonts on that, that blog was DDC Hardware, which uh, the, the dedicated fans will know is the font of Worrying Bugs. Is that right? I'm not a dedicated fan. I don't know. We have the license and everything. Cool. I was like, hey, let's make sure we get the license before we use this for our, our thing. Did and we? You're like, okay, cool. Yeah, we got it. It's saved in a file on my computer. Cool. I didn't, I forgot we did that. Yeah. Uh, so that's made by Aaron Draplin. That's why it's called DDC. It's Draplin Design Co. Hardware font. But Aaron Draplin, you might know from other such projects as field notes or one of the newest stamps and that stamp is going to be coming out on march 22nd the big the big event is going to be in the suburbs of chicago Hmm. so if you wanted we still could make it down we should at least look into it okay it's a it's a very pretty stamp it's a cool stamp it reminded me of my days back when i would um collect stamps and look into the u.s philatelic which is the stamp collecting magazine because they also have some other stamps as you scroll down this page. Uh, there's a series by Ellsworth Kelly that I'm very excited for. I don't know when that comes out or where. I'm just, I'm just excited about stamps again. That's, that's the whole update. I'm very happy with the military working dogs stamps. They look really, really nice. Yeah. You'll have to go get, go get some stamps and then go write some letters and then go send some letters with your stamps that you got. But if I send the stamps, I won't have them. If I eat my cake, I can't have it, Zach. Right. Is the point of the stamps not to make other people look at the stamp and go, wow, that's a neat stamp? No, the point of the stamp is to blow it up, make a fracture of it, and put it on my wall forever. Because this is a nice dog. Okay. I think I'm going to get a subscription to the U.S. Philatelic, because sometimes they do have, like, wall prints. Because this is, like, somebody's art, and you should pay them for their art. Oh, yeah, for sure, for sure. But, like... This would look really good in a fracture. The, the, dogs. the dogs? Yeah. I'm less interested in the, like, other ones. Even the, the main one is, like, it's pretty good. But, mm-hmm. like, these dog stamps, they look really, really nice. Yeah. Yeah. They're good stamps. They're good stamps, Bront. If you're the guy who designed the Military Working Dogs stamp collection. Or if you want me to get a whole bunch i'm probably going to go out and get the i think they're selling a ten thousand um stamp coil of this star ribbon stamp 
So I'm going to need to be sending a lot of letters. Why do you need 10,000 of them? Because I'm going to be sending a lot of letters. So if you want one of those letters to be directed at you, um, you can send me a letter uh, for me to respond to on my Twitter at... (laughs) 